Welcome to The Untrue Show, Episode 9. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Untrue Show. I am Dana here with the latest podcast. What am I drinking? I'm drinking some LaCroix, apricot LaCroix, and some basil water. I am doing Whole30, so no um, adult beverages, no soda, nothing with added sugar can be had over here. And actually, I'm about seven, eight days in, and I really like it. I feel good. Um, I was having a lot of stomach aches before, but now my stomach feels really good, and some of my favorite parts about the Whole30 are the um, the ghee. I really like the taste of ghee and I like using it to cook. Um, I never really used it before or, or consistently like day in and day out. So that's been a nice change. Um, the hardest part is my sweet tooth. I feel like every day I want like one piece of candy and most all candy has added sugar. So I haven't been eating candy, but I have found these really great RX bars and they're made with dates. So they taste really good. And then I've just been eating dates on their own. And I've also been drinking a lot of tea. Speaking of which, I just made some tea. I need to go pour it out and drink it while I'm on this podcast and talking to you guys. It is toasted nut brulee oolong. So I'm excited to have that for tonight uh, as I record this podcast. But how's everything going? How are the New Year's resolutions? I... Yeah, mine are going. Um, I really need to spend a little bit more one-on-one time, like digging deeper into them. I know I talked last week about my feed and extinguish list, and that has been going really well in terms of finding what I want to focus on, bringing more of into my life, and what I want to focus of getting rid of in my life. It's been really helpful to have that list and get things going in that way. So let's get started with trending topics because I have a couple today. Uh, I know I didn't have them last time, so I'm excited about these. Uh, The first one I'm going to start with is the bromance between Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, and Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, Over the last couple days, I have been able to watch um, the president's last address in Chicago, which I basically cried through as I saw Malia crying. So that was a tearjerker for me. Then I also watched his uh, speech about Joe Biden, where he gave him the National Medal of Freedom. And cried through that. And I just love how they're such good friends. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, man, I need a friend like Joe Biden in my life. Because it looks like they are just bros, like homeboys. And they love each other. And there's no way to deny the chemistry that they have as friends based on how they talk about each other. Like, all they do is praise each other as people. And I know there's a lot of people out there who think that think all the worst things about President Obama and about Vice President Joe Biden. But the one thing that you can't deny is that they're great people, um, that they are great friends. It's just so obvious that they're really good friends. And I like that. Um, I like his whole image and his whole vibe. I think it just suits him. He just seems like somebody you'd want to be your friend. I'm talking about President Obama and I guess both of them, because Joe Biden also seems that way too. I saw an interview where he was on The View, and I even shared it with my friend, where he proposed to his wife five times. Um, I think it was five or four times. It was multiple times before she finally said yes. And um, I was reading his story. I didn't know that his wife had died in a car accident. And I do remember last year when his son died, and I remember seeing his announcement that he wouldn't run for president. I mean, Joe Biden is like 74 years old. Um, 
And I'm sure it's hard to keep working at such a in such a fast-paced role when you're 74. I mean, he looks darn good for 74. Like he's just he's lively, he's happy, he's energetic. He has a wife. I think she's eight or nine years younger than him. She still works. She's still lively. She's like 65. So it's just refreshing to see them be such close friends. I don't remember seeing that with Bush and Cheney or even with um, Bill Clinton and Bob Dole when they were president and vice president. I just don't ever remember seeing that before um, before now. So it's just refreshing. It's nice to see how great of friends they are and how much they love each other just as bros. Their bromance is real and I love it. So the second trending topic I want to talk about is Salt Bay. So I literally just realized the origins of Salt Bay and it cracks me up every time I see the picture of the guy like salting um, everything. So at first I just saw the image and I would see people's face cropped on the guy, like future. I saw future's face cropped on the man who was salting something. I'm like, I, I don't get what that is. I don't understand. So I searched Salt Bay and um, there's this site called Know Your Meme. But I'm not sh- I don't think I found it there. There was another article that I found that was like, here's where Salt Bay came from. Here's the original video. And I was sent to this Instagram video of this man, like finally cutting a steak. And then when he finished finally cutting it, he just throws like a little sprinkle of salt on it ever so flashingly, I guess I'd call it. <laughs> well, ever so, I'm trying to think of the way to describe it. It was kind of graceful. Um, but just, just hot. Like, yeah, I'm gonna throw some salt on it, like sprinkle. So it was obviously sea salt. Cause you could see how huge the salt looked if you like sprinkled it on top. But the steak, as I was watching the video, I was like, Ooh, I want some of that steak. It looks so good. And he was really good at cutting it like really finely. Um, it looked like steak you might put on a salad and the inside, like it was just cooked perfectly. Like this steak, like I said, it looks so good salted it and when he, the way he salted it kind of made me want to laugh so now that I saw the original video I went back and I looked at like my Twitter feed and I saw there's a picture of Salt Bay with like all his kids and he has a lot of kids so um that was kind of funny too because I was like dang in the picture with his kids he had on the same outfit that he does when he's salting the steak which is like a white tee v-neck with some pants and then some sunglasses. And that was another thing about the video that stood out to me is like he's cutting the steak and salting it outside. Totally random, but yeah, outside. So that was pretty funny to me. Um, the third trending topic I want to talk about is the Atlanta Falcons. I'm ATL girl, so I'm very excited that we are one game closer to making it to the Super Bowl. I hope we make it all the way. Uh, we're going to be playing Green Bay Packers next week, the final game in the Atlanta Dome, um, the Georgia Dome. We're tearing the Georgia Dome down and building the Mercedes-Benz stone with the retractable roof and, you know, stepping the game up here in town. So after this game, I guess they're going to tear down the Georgia Dome to make probably parking for the new dome, which is like next door to it. They've been doing construction on it for a long time. I remember when I went to the Beyonce concert, I think it's last year, two years ago, they were doing construction on it at that time. So this has been a work in progress, and I'm so excited to see the dome done, or the, the Superdome, or say it's been Superdome. But a thing trending on social media around the Falcons game is the fact that Future was on the sidelines of the Falcons game, and he um, 
Instead, he was like a big distraction for the Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson, um, which maybe he was. I'm not sure. But the funniest thing about it to me is that like after the game, Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, um, who Future has a baby about, which is why Future was supposedly a distraction on Russell. They like post all these family pictures and they're like, we're winning. We're winning. We just got married. We about to have a baby. We're winning. And they are winning. Um and I think that having that attitude is awesome because just because the game didn't go your way doesn't mean your life just totally sucks. It doesn't totally suck. I mean, they just got married. They're about to have a baby. And per- personally, they're doing awesome. Like This is a banner year for them. So I thought it was great that they just took the memes with a grain of salt and put their own spin on it. Like, this is what we're really happy about. Yeah, we didn't win the game, but this is going good. We're going to focus on this. So... That is what it is. But speaking of relationships, that was one of the things that I really want to talk about today as my main point. Um, So the title of this podcast is IRL, which if you guys don't know, that means in real life. And as I wrote that list last week that I talked about, which is my feed and extinguish list, one of the main things or main points that kept coming back to me was in real life, in real life, in real life connections. And a lot of the areas that I wanted to extinguish were areas where I'm like, I'm not really connecting with people or connecting with this person in real life, but I'm connecting with them online. And just that level of discernment around um, a like, because a like does not mean that we're tight friends. A like is just, you see my image and you like it and you don't really give it a second thought. So that's the thing about social media is a lot of times we feel so connected, but we're not really that connected. You're just in the space out there with other people. Um, and I found this article that was talking about how we might have like 1500 friends online, all these social media followers, but our real actual friend circle is about 150 people. And that doesn't even like mean 150 like tight people. So One big thing that I've been working on lately is knowing which friends I can share what with and which friends I can talk to about different topics. Because some friends you can't tell everything to. Like as I'm doing this whole 30 process, there's this thing called um, non-scale victories. So I have a close friend who's also doing the whole food, whole 30 diet with me. And I share all my non-scale victories with her. And some of them are TMI for this podcast and TMI for me and some of my other friend relationships around bodily changes happening because of Whole30. But I know I can talk to her about them, but I wouldn't go talk to all my friends about that. Like if I was, if I had a boyfriend, I probably wouldn't tell him all the non-scale victories that I'm having that have to do with bodily functions or just changes. Like you probably don't want to know all that, but I know who in my life does want to hear that. And that's this other friend who's also on Whole30. Or about your spiritual life. Because I know I have some friends who are close to God, but they're not necessarily building that relationship to get closer to him. And they're not actively fueling that relationship. And that's one thing about relationships is that, or really anything in your life is that if you're not feeding it or or watering them, that like they're not going to live. They're going to die. It's like a plant. When I don't water my plants, guess what happens? They die. So if you're not really watering these online interactions with in real life interactions and more engagement than before, 
then you're really not building on it. Like there's nothing there. It's just going to die and fizzle out and some things need to die. So that's okay. So it, it makes me think about that Drake song, fake love. And it's like, you have these people in your life, but they don't really care about you. They're just connected to you through some past experience that you've had before or some present experience that you might have now, but you're not closely connected or closely tied at the hip and you're not going to see this person and you're not going to go to to dinner with this person probably in the next 12 months. Then is that person really your friend? Probably not. Um, and you have to really look at it like that. So something that's been happening to me lately is I've been getting this influx of messages on LinkedIn of people trying to join my network. So if you guys don't know how LinkedIn works, on LinkedIn, you're supposed to connect with people you already know. That's the biggest differentiator between LinkedIn and maybe Twitter or Instagram, where you just go follow strangers or you connect with strangers that way. You just kind of start a conversation out of the blue. LinkedIn is where I send a request to an old coworker or a current coworker or um, a friend that I went to high school with because we already know each other. I'm not reaching out to strangers on an active, regular basis to say, like, let's be in each other's network. Let me see who you're connected with so I can talk to all your connections. LinkedIn's not operating like that. So a couple weeks ago, I want to say it was late December, I get, get this request on LinkedIn. And mind you, the requests that I get on LinkedIn range from let's work together, I got a job for you, or sometimes even to people trying to get a date. So it's just all over the place. Guy sends me a request. I look at this picture, look at his job. Like, there's no reason why we should really be connected, but let me just see what's the deal here. Because I just didn't know. So I accepted him, and he's he was in Atlanta as well. So I accepted him, like, hey, what's this is what I do. I'm Dana. Why do you want to join my network? Just ask them because, again, you shouldn't connect people you don't know, but I have connected with people I don't know and actually gotten paid projects out of them. So just vetting people helps as well. So I'm like trying to vet this guy, asking him like, what's your, what's your deal here? What do, you, what do you want to connect with me for? Like, tell me. He sends me a note. And he's like, oh, I would like you to connect with my girlfriend because she needs to connect with people like you who do what she does. My work here is done. Here's her name. Okay, so for multiple reasons, this is not the way to go about connecting with people on LinkedIn. And let me break down why. I was really upset, like bothered by this message because I felt like your work here is not done. And the fact that he has, that he said that his work was done, I thought was hilarious to me because if, first of all, I don't want to connect with someone, I don't know you, so I definitely don't want to connect with someone else that you're telling me to connect with through you when I already don't know you. So I'm already not likely to do that. And second of all, he didn't immediately provide an introduction for me to her. He said nothing. It was me who reached out to him like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Why do you want to connect with me? I shouldn't have to do that much work. So immediately I was like, nah, this that's not what this is about. And I unconnected with him and kept it moving. Um there's definitely a better way to do that. Like you, if you really see someone on LinkedIn that's a stranger that you'd like to talk to, give them an explanation and a reason up front. Because most times I just ignore people who I don't know already on LinkedIn if they don't give that reason. Unless they're a recruiter. I'm always like, hey, we can be connected. I don't, I'm not looking for a job at this time, but we can always be connected. 
And if they have a position, then I feel like we can collaborate or share professional tips or professional expertise online or get together for coffee. Like I'm, I'm likely to connect with people like that, but I'm telling you this guy's job was so far fetched from where I, what I was doing. It wasn't valuable to me. You need to be able to sell your value to someone else for them to want to connect with you. And he just didn't do that for me. So moving forward, I left that alone. Um, that's one area where like the networking side of it is, it just bothers me because in real life, I don't think it would have quite happened that way where someone's like walks up to you and says, Hey, I see what you do or I hear what you do because if you're in person, you're talking this out. So you tell someone what you do and they're like, Oh yeah, you need to meet my girlfriend because she does what you do and y'all should know each other. I'm probably more likely to do it in person, but still at the same time, it's still like, I don't even know you that well for you to be introducing me to someone else is kind of awkward. I recently decided to just say deuces to dating apps. And that was one of the major reasons why, just because I was having these interactions with people, but they weren't leading to in real life conversations. So I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of this book called Modern Romance, but I read it. It's by Aziz Ansari, who is a comedian, but did this whole study on dating in the present time versus dating decades ago and how we do things so differently. But we we see that there's all these options, but not, they're not necessarily good options. So one of the quotes in the book is by this woman named Mari Davis, who is an online dating consultant. And she says, Online dating is just a vehicle to meet more people. It's not the place to actually date. This is totally true. And I found it a great place to start chit-chat and conversations with people through these apps, but I didn't find it a place for true connection. And I'm looking for true connection with other people, human beings that I can physically see in person. And I just wasn't getting that. So I made it to all to about 1500 matches on Tinder, but I was like, what is this getting me? What is this worth? It wasn't worth much to me because I wasn't getting in real life interactions. And that's where you get the most from. Like, I'm not going to get much out of talking to someone for six, eight, 12 months through text messages or on an app. If we never meet, if you, if I meet this person, I've spent all that time like texting and all that build up and then we see each other and I'm like not attracted to them for some reason or he's not attracted to me. It's just like waste all that time. So I don't want to waste that time and talk to you for months on end online in these these spaces like that. We could just meet and just see what things are like. So I after experiencing these two things, I kind of looked at looked at myself or took a cohort look at what I've been doing and connecting online isn't the best way to connect with people. It's a good way to start things off or it's a good way to start a conversation and to continue one. But ultimately, I believe that I need to see my friends face to face. I need to I need to see you. If I don't see you or hear from you in months, then I need to reevaluate our friendship. If I'm not hearing your voice and I'm just seeing what you're writing, then maybe we're not that close of friends as I thought we were. So it, it made me put things into perspective a little bit differently, especially for the year ahead, because it's like, who would I like to spend more time with? 
Um, and I'm not one to reach out to strangers on LinkedIn, but maybe that is something that I can do this year with a purpose, intentionally reach out to people and say, hey, maybe we can get together and go to coffee and talk about both of our experiences working in digital marketing or working in social media or working in analytics, just all the different areas where I already work. Or if you have a blog, like having a blog and personal branding or, you know, having a YouTube channel, just different things that people do that I'm interested in that we can sit down and talk over coffee about. That's free. I mean, well, it's not free because the coffee costs and I don't drink coffee. So the tea costs, but anyway, um, but it's a low cost way to just get to know someone, look at their face in person. I went to dinner this past Friday with, um, to an extent I call her my mentee. Like we went to dinner and we sat down and we ate and we have connected. Like we're connected on social media. We're connected on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but the in-person interaction means a million times more than her liking my stuff or sending me a happy birthday text. It just means so much more, more to see her face and to see how she's doing and to just talk to her. It, it means the world to me. And I guess I should say that my love language is um, quality time. The way I receive love is through quality time. And maybe that's why this is so important to me. And it, it means a lot to me when people spend that quality time with me. And it doesn't mean a lot to me when they like, send me a text message or post on my Facebook wall. Like it just doesn't mean the same thing to me. Like if I was grading people, I'd give, you know, in-person quality time, a million bucks and a text message like two. So that's, that's the way I see it or just some context around how much weighted value I give to sitting down and talking with a person in person, in their face. It just means a lot more. Um, I think that's the only way to really develop like a real solid relationship is to see someone in person. Like I don't want to, especially with dating, like y'all seen catfish, how people are like, Oh, we never talked on the phone. We've only talked online. We've been together for like three years. I never understand that because I don't think I could do it. I don't want an invisible boyfriend or invisible friend. I want like real friends, not fake friends. (laughs) And to me, that would be a red flag. If no someone like never wants to talk to me on the phone, maybe they're not a real person, right? Wouldn't that scare you? Because it scares me. I want to hear a voice, not see some text messages. I was watching the Breakfast Club uh, interview and Ed Sheeran, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Ed Sheeran, um, was on there talking about his new songs and talking about how he took a break for a year from social media. And he has a flip phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, a flip phone, I would die. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? A flip phone might be relaxing just because you really, like I wouldn't be so caught up in looking at my email, looking at my Instagram, looking at Facebook when I'm out in public or on elevators or just walking around. I would be more caught up in talking to the people that I'm on the elevator with. And I noticed that at work. I work on the 20th floor, so it's like, I'm on the elevator going up a couple, a good amount of floors, but sometimes I'm on the elevator looking at my phone or the person next to me is looking at their phones or we're not even talking to each other. It's just a missed opportunity to connect with someone that I would have had before if I did have a flip phone because the only thing I could do is really talk on it. And I feel like no one really talks on their cell phones like that anymore. I know I don't talk on it a lot. I'm mostly communicating through text or through an app. 
a direct message or something like that or messenger through Facebook, I'm not talking to people on the phone like that. So I just looked, I listened to him talk about his flip phone and I was, like I said, I was like, I would totally die. But then part of me was like, I kind of miss having a flip phone or I used to have a little chocolate. So I miss having the chocolate where it just slides up. And literally all I could do was talk on it. Like I could get text messages sometimes, but texts weren't a big thing back then. So I was just talking on it when I wanted to talk to people. And then when I didn't, I wasn't holding it and I wasn't touching it and I wasn't looking at it and looking at the internet. I think all I did was buy ringtones and I didn't even have many of those. So I just miss those days of being disconnected and kind of would like to go back to them and want to set a goal to just spend less time getting screen time because screen time is not as important as in real lifetime at all. Like I want to see your face. I want to just be in front of someone and not in front of a screen and not texting or not talking to strangers and never moving from not real life to in real life. So I'm not sure how everyone else feels about that, but I'd love to hear from you guys if you'd like to let me know. Um, Are you really passionate about meeting and seeing all your friends face-to-face and in real life? Because the more, I guess the older I get, the more I'm like, that person's not my friend if I don't see them, if I'm not talking to them and I'm not hearing their voice. We're not as connected as I think we are if we're not doing those things. So let me know how y'all feel about that. Um, you can email me at thegreatnanaj, T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T-D-A-N-A-J at gmail.com um, and follow me on Twitter at thegreatnanaj. Let's talk more about it a little bit, right? <laughs> so it is inauguration week and I, I definitely have to give that my shrew of the week. I feel like the online commentary is going to be out of control. I might even do a day or two of digital detox just to avoid it because it's already, I think it's already kind of reached peak peak levels of stress. I can feel myself getting kind of stressed out about all the messaging that's going out about it right now. It's, it's a sad time because things are changing and it's just, yeah, it's stressful. I don't even know if I can fully put it into words because... I feel like such a sense of hope seeing the Obamas in the office and I don't know what I feel about Donald Trump going into office or if I don't know if I can fully express that in words quite yet. It's definitely a different feeling from from what we've just experienced. So I am trying to keep an open mind about it and be optimistic that this is um, the best thing for our country, the best thing for for people out there. I just want to, I want to keep that sense of hope and, and continue to just look at it in a positive way, but it's very challenging with, um, the messaging being put out and then the comments on the messaging. I think that's the scariest place online is the comment thread. Um, because everybody has opinions about everything. Everybody wants to express their opinions and be heard. And that part is scary. So I'm just going to keep really being prayerful about our country and being hopeful and try to just like I said stay positive about it so that's my shrew of the week um the un the untrue would have to be hidden figures so I saw hidden figures today and it was it really exceeded 
my expectations, it blew them out of the water. It was such a beautiful film. I definitely cried through it. I think that it's a beautiful thing in 2017 to see a movie with a movie poster that has three black women on it who are dressed professionally and to see their stories and to see them be fully developed characters, like to find love, to have children, to have families and to have um, these great careers where they're, they're doing challenging work and they're breaking barriers down and they're asking questions and they're, they're not doing it in a disrespectful way, but they're pushing the envelope to get to the level of success that they want to get to. And I just feel so inspired by it in so many ways and so grateful for the movie and, and grateful that we get to see something like this on screen because it's just hard to see movies with um, people of color, period, especially people of color in lead roles um, of all colors. To get the main, I know it's a challenge, and I'm really happy that Hidden Figures has had so much success because this opened the doors opens the doors for so many other great projects in the future. And I know that they're being brewed up. So it'll be nice um, when when they are seen and when they are fully developed because this has been able to break down doors and break down barriers. And I just thought the acting was so great. And there were so many relatable moments in the movie for me just in, in the workplace um, and different things we as women and, and as black women have to experience and endure working in a predominantly um, male or predominantly white arena or space there's there's definitely challenges that come with that um and it, it just was beautiful to see some of the things I felt personally on screen and then just to see these women just triumph I just I enjoyed it so much and I'd tell anyone just like hey go see it like regardless of who you are what you look like it's just a really awesome movie and it's based on a true story. So yeah, see it. If you haven't seen it, I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the acting. Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and um, Janelle Monet, and even Kevin Costner just all did such a great job. And Kirsten Dunst as well. She was kind of mean, but it was she did a good job playing the role she was given. And like I said, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, see it. It is worth seeing in person. Don't bootleg it. Don't what is that stick? Amazon Fire Stick, Jailbreak It, go pay to see it so more movies like this can be made. I wish that I had learned about women like this when I was in school. Um, and I hope that this breaks down the barriers for others to learn more about women like this in the future. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I, like I said, I'm loving podcasting so far and I can't wait to connect with you more throughout 2017. Let me know what you guys would like to hear more of. You can email me, like I said, with the, the great Dana J at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.